0: week on Kettle of Fish, comedian Brandy Posey stops by to talk about the
1: milkman, the paperboy, and even TV. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics master Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debate, hate, or argument allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka, it's like a delicacy trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish alrighty welcome to kettle of fish the show after show the talk after the talk the twenty minute comedy money shot after the two hours of political foreplay Although we did 90 minutes today. Fern, D, you're still with us. Are you guys ready to get fishy with some brandy toast?
0: <laughs> yeah, I keep, though, so every time I hear the little, the little jingle, I keep wanting to be like, hooray!
1: Let your freak flag fly, <laughs> scream hooray. I know, right? It right, <laughs> makes so we, me happy. That's good, because yep. after two hours or 90 minutes today, but usually two hours of us pissing people off. It's good to make people happy. Well, it and technically, technically was two hours bank.
2: for me. I was pissing people off a half an hour before we started, so I
1: got my full two oh, hours wow. in today. Nice, there good go. workout. All right, today <laughs> we've got Brandy Posey on. I love her comedy. She's kind of a nerd comedian. I don't know if that's the accepted terminology. Words, right? Words. We all fight about yes, words. Are good. words. Let me get Brandy in here. And let's kind of talk to her about comedy. And I learned a lot from Brandy, actually, listening to Opinion Cave. Brandy, what's up? Hey, guys. Doing pretty good. Good Doing pretty good. I want to thank you for calling in. I also want to thank you for your comedy because until I listened to Opinion Cave, I had no idea David Carradine had died at age 72 in a Bangkok hotel of audio erotic fixation. So I can't get that oh, image really? out of my head. I didn't know. <laughs> I had no idea.
0: Teach things and make people stronger, faster, better through my standoff.
1: That's what I try to do. <laughs> there you go. <No>, like, <laughs> mission accomplished. I gotta tell mm-hmm. you though, know, like I listened to that bit and I'm sitting there thinking, like what a fucked up way it is to die. And then I started thinking, mm-hmm. like, do you think when you die, everybody like in your afterlife automatically knows your backstory? Like is David Carradine going for it and going for it? Croaks. Opens his eyes in the afterlife, and some random dude, like some chimney sweep from Annabella area era, like uh-huh. locks up to him. And it's like, oh, autoerotic asphyxiation, huh? Me too. We've got a support group that meets on Tuesdays because, like, come join us. <laughs> like, is this how this is going down in the afterlife? Do you think everybody knows? all the circumstances of your death when you die.
0: I hope so cuz if there is a heaven there should be no small talk. That would be great
1: if we just never had to be like,
0: "So, where are you from?" <laughs> ever again. That would be
1: <laughs> right, especially when you die, you know everything, right? So everybody would know yeah. every horrible thing. It's like the ultimate tabloid, right? Everybody would know every fucking TMZ thing about you.
0: Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm to- I would I would actually prefer that to having to like have those weird like awkward get to know you conversations because then also you would just know if somebody was a bad conversationalist or not and then you'd just be like oh cool they sucked at living I'm just going to walk away that's
1: nice and then people
2: would leave me alone to my reading yeah I don't know if (laughs) I'd like like that I don't know if I'd want to know about there's certain things about some people that I know that I just really wish I didn't so I'm not sure if I'd want to know or not you know
0: yeah some of it would be difficult I think yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. Ooh, I didn't know she liked little boys like that. Ooh, gross. Okay. Well, wow. yeah, would. <laughs> <say. laughs> There's something to be said yeah. for full disclosure, though. Hey, um, Brandy, yeah. I gotta tell you, I always yeah. ask the guests. I'm like, hey, what do you want to talk about? In addition to your comedy, because I like to mix it up about current events, current things that are popular, pop pop culture, I guess would be the mm-hmm. term. And you're like, hey, let's talk about what a train wreck Fuller House is. I am so yeah. dedicated to this show. I fucking suffered through three episodes of <laughs> Fuller House. I couldn't do any more. <laughs> <laughs> first twenty minutes, John Stamos made a semen joke, and it was like my own oh, fucking okay. personal crying game. This show is such a fucking nightmare. It's did you insane. actually watch all thirteen episodes? Because I got to give you bravo oh. kudos if you did. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know what I did? My birthday was a week and a half ago and I was like, Hey guys, I'm just gonna have Fuller House on and if you wanna come over and it'll just be on in the background and we can make fun of it together, that'll be the party. We can like hang out, not pay attention to it, kinda of pay attention to it. And it's it's that's what I ended up doing. So I have watched all four, 13 episodes. I know the entire arc of the season. It's it's man <laughs> I was like I was I was talking to some a friend of mine about it and I was like, I think that it's like it's the television version of the Great Gatsby that we deserve of Donald Trump president. You know what I mean? Like it's like <laughs> this weird, this weird look into the past that is just like trying to reclaim something that is making it more grotesque just by looking back at it. And, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. that's really, like, kind of what reference.
2: I thought. <laughs> yeah. You need to yeah. become yeah. a yeah. political.
0: Yeah, that would be awesome. No, I only made it through like not even a whole episode. But part of that That was I just didn't have, like, time to, and it was just like, okay, I get it. They're trying, I mean, Mm -hmm. it it almost reminds me of the new Star Wars in that Mm -hmm. they're trying to say, hey, look at this cool thing we did, like, 50 years ago. See, we can still do it. We still got it. We still got it. And it's like, no, Grandpa, No. Just, just, no. no. Well, <laughs> it's, well, it's just, every, everything about it is amazing. Like, Joey Gladstone's character, I don't know how much you guys watched the original series, um, but it was, like, no, right. It's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, me too. And, like, Joey Gladstone's like, yeah, I live in Vegas, and I work, uh, I do 10 shows a week. I'm bigger than Carrot Top. And I'm like, Joey, your family didn't even think you were funny in the original series. You live in a box <laughs> down the street. You do not live in <laughs> Vegas. You have like a cardboard box, and you wrote Vegas on it. And like that's where you live, and that's where you perform yes. for nobody, for no money. Because <laughs> he just like shows yes. up, and he's like, I'll babysit the kids tonight. And I'm like, you're, you're, you're a liar. Your life is so sad. I want that TV show. I want a gritty, Joey Gladstone, Louie-type show.
1: That's what I'm really interested in. Oh, God, I'd love like, that. You bring up a movie, anyway. right? Because the whole time I'm watching this, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, look, there's, there's what? Five kids or something involved in this. There's all these different personalities. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to turn yeah. out to be a meth head just by the logistics yeah. of it. Doesn't one of these kids have to turn out like turning tricks for fucking meth? I <laughs> all these guys are successful. They're like, the, 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 the most pressing problem I know. is like the oldest <laughs> kid. And I didn't bother to learn her names because I have integrity. But the oldest <laughs> kid, like, like his, her husband died, a firefighter or whatever. This yeah. I'm watching this. First 10 minutes, I'm like, this is like a Dentine commercial. Like, this isn't even, like, yeah. a plot. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at their yeah. cold, dead eyes, and mm-hmm. I was, and the whole time I'm thinking, really, like, damn you, Brandy, why did you do this to me? This yeah. is <laughs> horrifying. This is torture.
0: Oh, I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I, th- there's a lot of moments in the show where they reference the Olsen twins. Like bitterly, and like will look directly at them through the camera, and you're like, oh my god, I'm yeah. sorry they made something of themselves. <laughs> it's just like it's like part horror movie, honestly, and part like oh, so good TV sitcom, because it's just like, oh man, everything's just the same, and and then and then you think how how much, how different your life has been from when the original show was on until now, and you're like, no, everything's not the same. Things have changed. Why are they still the same? What happened? Is time anything? Like that's where my mind ends up going. <laughs> I think you're really, really much it. more
1: into it than the people who wrote it. I think they wrote this script that's, on a <laughs> a napkin at TGIF Fridays. To I mean, be that's what happens with. if
0: you watch if you watch all thirteen episodes in a row. Like you, you will go to a dark place than yourself. Like that, that is guaranteed to happen. It's like, yeah, it becomes a full Full House directed by Darren Aronofsky if you watch the whole thing at once. Cause you see yeah. the madness
1: in yourself. <laughs> that won't be happening. Pretty crazy. I will tell you. Um, yeah. One thing that was running through my mind when I was watching this, and I know a lot of those actors don't probably have much of a career after Full House. Why do you think John Mm -hmm. Stamos came back? Because doesn't he have another show on? And isn't he doing pretty well? Grandfather. Yeah,
0: Yeah, he had grandfathered. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's like something – I think, honestly, it's something that people have always been bugging them to do. And they were just like, fine, we'll do it and then leave us alone. But (laughs) – you know, that's kind of what I think. Also, he's like a producer on it, so he's getting a lot of
1: money for this. You know, I think... Yeah, I but think nobody destroys a franchise like Netflix, right? Like, I can't even watch. Yeah. I've got the first three seasons of Arrested Development on DVD, and ever since i watched season four on Netflix, I've never uh, put those, these DVDs in again. Yeah. Like, they fucking yeah. destroyed the franchise.
0: Yeah, that's like, that's like my Star Wars Phantom Menace is
1: like the fourth
0: episode of... Of Arrested Development, I just like to pretend it doesn't yes. happen. I just uh, no, mm Yeah, and I mm-hmm. I, mean, I
1: yeah. Go ahead, Brandon. What? No, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, we have saying... a little bit of a delay.
0: Oh, uh, that's okay. No worries. Uh, I just feel like I feel like Justin Moose is still friends with Saget and Coulier. and I think he, I think both of them were just like, "Hey, man, we really, uh, we we could use this." I think, and I think Stan Moses is like a good bro. And he was like, all right, I can I can be Uncle Jesse. Uncle Jesse is, like, what has gotten me laid for 40, 20 years. So that's fine. I can do that
1: again. Nice. Let me ask yeah. you this then, because this is another thing that was going through my mind when I watched the intro. Why, this mm-hmm. is creepy to me. Why do they have twins yeah. for the youngest babies? I don't – what is this obsession with them having twins? Is anybody noticing in the 13 episodes that they need to have twins playing one, like, um, character, like they had in the original with the Olsen twins? Well, it's funny.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. Also, eh, there's, like, not a funny answer, but, like, there's only a certain number of hours you can have a baby on set, so they always use twins for that kind of thing. That way you can, like, have the same baby, but you work it twice as much. Like, you know, ah. little teeny little mm. thing. That's usually what it is. 'Cause so I think you can only have a baby on set for like five hours or something. So if they have two babies, then they can actually have like get a full day out of out of one character.
1: Yeah, that's pretty fucking diabolical. I don't I don't see yeah. that as being a good thing at all. Fern, did yeah. you watch Fuller House? Because I sent out that we were gonna talk about it. Did you end up yes. choking down a couple of these episodes?
2: Okay <laughs> full disclosure, I tried. I really tried. <laughs> I actually felt physically ill. And about the time I saw New Kids on the Block come out, I was like, that's it, yep. I'm done. I can't. I can. <laughs> as soon as New Kids on the Block, they started doing the hanging tough thing, I was done. But, <laughs> you know, I have to wonder, like, first of all, I've seen Bob Saget's comedy, and mm-hmm. he, he, that just kind of ruined the whole Full House thing for me, because yeah. I had no idea that he was so raunchy. I loved it. It was great. Mm-hmm. But you just yeah. can't go from, you can't go back to Danny Tanner from that. You just
0: can't. Oh, no, you definitely can't. Also, Danny Tanner in the, in, in the Fuller House show gives zero fucks. Like, he, he just, hes his shirt's always unbuttoned, his paunchy, he just, like, doesn't care. He's, like, he yeah. just
1: gives the least shit in the movie. Did I address that in the 13 episodes? Like, why he's not, like, a super neat freak anymore? Because I noticed that in the first three, he wasn't, like, Felix Unger obsessing over, yeah. like, breaking out the Windex every five minutes. Mm hmm. No, nope. they never address, they don't address
0: it at all. They never address no, it at all, no.
1: Kind of like this bizarro world, Danny Tanner, that nobody ever talks mm-hmm. about. Yeah, I think I think
0: Danny killed killed somebody, and nobody wants to talk about it, and that's why he doesn't – he,
1: like, did <laughs> the ultimate clean job by getting rid of the body, and then he just <laughs> can't ever
0: clean again. Like, that's my theory on it.
1: <laughs> like that show Cleaners that's on about people who go up after crime scenes and just clean up for the mob <laughs> or whatever. Maybe he's doing that on the side. That that makes the show actually more digestible if I think that's what Danny Tanner is doing on the side. (laughs) I might actually go back and watch a couple more episodes now that I've created that reality (laughs) in my head.
0: Highly recommend it. There's one episode where Stephanie Tanner DJs at Coachella, and it is highly worth watching because there's a really ridiculous moment right at the very end that's, like, super serious. And you're like, why didn't we do this? It's really amazing.
1: So let me yes. ask you this, and it will wrap up this monstrosity of Fuller House. What kind of <laughs> twisted personalities do you think are watching this, and they actually love it? Not ironically, not like because it's so horrible, but they're like, "Now this is some good comedy. I love this. We America needs more of this." Do you think anybody's watching it oh, through that filter?
0: I think there's well, yeah, because I okay, so I I looked through the hashtag on Twitter just to be like, what are people saying about Solar House? Just I'm always curious to see like, who cares enough about something to tweet about it? They just throw their thoughts into the void. And there were some people that were like, I really love the new series. I just wish that there weren't these allusions to sex in it that weren't in the original one. And so it's just there's like it's like adults that still say the word potty mouth with sincerity. It's like those oh, kind of people. Uh- <laughs> You know, the people that are like, you know, a, a, a woman that has a panic attack, she thinks about the word orgasm, like she loves Fuller House, like, you know, a, a guy that just like calls his wife mother, you know, like those kind of people, they love Fuller House, I think. I think mm. that's yeah, I know a couple of those. And mm-hmm. they're like, shucky darn, oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. It's like, Really? Cause yeah, I, it's I can hard in my to
1: wrap around that. Okay, let me move on to opinion, cave because one thing you said in that that really struck with me, and and I've been doing uh-huh. politics. I've been doing a political show for three years, blogging for five years. Mm-hmm. I write for a political news site. I think the best mm-hmm. political metaphor, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the show. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but the best uh-huh. political metaphor I've ever heard in my life is a two-party <laughs> system is like the Quaid brothers. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> she fucking nailed it. I wish I could steal it because that sums it up. <laughs> and and you. you don't really – you're not a political comedian, but you kind of skirt around the edges of politics. And when you do, you nail it. Why are you not doing oh, more yeah, politically co- politically driven comedy? Because we are in that era where now everybody, people who have never even paid attention yeah. to politics, are watching the reality show called like 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I do a lot. I mean, I guess I, try, I tend to look at, like, I, do, I try not to, like, use the words, like, Democrats and Republicans too often in jokes. I try to look at, like, more big-picture topics from my point of view and try to, like, deconstruct them from that that way. Um, I mean, also, I think just, like, you know, sometimes just being a woman with a microphone is inherently pretty political to a lot of people in this country, just in general. So, right. So, you know, it, um, I, I try to, like... I I try to make the to be very political and have a stance about, and try to make people rethink their positions on stuff that is really important to me. Um, And that's that's kind of like where I've always approached comedy from, you know. And I also just like, you know, if if I have like a good political, you know, if 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 there is something that that I feel strongly about that I really want to write write on, I mean, I've definitely been like, you know, roasting the current process a little bit (laughs) on stage in LA because it's ridiculous because um, everybody just has to, cause it's just just makes sure you want to take a nap <laughs> make sure you want to take a nap and wake up in Sweden
1: <laughs> absolutely and you know I was surprised when you gave me your number and I was like a 410 <laughs> this is a Baltimore area code and I'm yeah. from Waldorf spent a lot of time oh, in Baltimore nice. yeah well I don't know oh. how nice it is but um, well, grew <laughs> up going to Baltimore all the time it was the highest <laughs> murder rate in the country for yep. years Politically charged Mm -hmm. city, you know, right down the street from D.C. How are you escaping Mm -hmm. the gravity of politics in your comedy when you see something, get pissed off? How are you not doing a whole set on it? Because I, like, if I had that kind of power, I would just be going full (laughs) frontal, like a turbo action on the mic.
0: I mean, I definitely, I definitely do sometimes, depending depending on it. I mean, like you know, seeing see Me live this is different from the album. Like my, my first album, was, I mean, not I do a lot of the same jokes, but that first album was kind of like, hey, here's, here's who I am, across the board. I want to give everybody a little bit something, but also kind of just like, you know, I I I, I didn't want my first album to be a fully political album. Um, I mean, also like you know, I kind of grew up right between Baltimore and D.C. So just like being immersed in all of it, like, everybody, everybody that I know has each one spy in their family. But that's just, like, where I grew up. Everybody has somebody that works for the NSA or the Pentagon or something.
1: Yeah. The guy
0: was, yeah, my next-door neighbor growing up, he was one of the president's own secret service guys. And I was just like, oh, cool. That that guy over there that, like, tells us to keep it down and doesn't want my friends loitering in his yard and he's going to take a bullet for the president someday? Okay. I think it's politics. there's always been, like, such, like, a personal part of my life. Whenever I do talk about something political, I don't really view it as politics so much as just like a, something that happens to, is part of life to me, I guess.
1: So it's, it's kind of encoded on your DNA, <laughs> so it's not what you talk yeah. about, it's who you are is what you kind of feel like. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Nice. Um, Fern, mm-hmm. di don't want to monopolize the conversation here. We've only got a few minutes left if you guys want to chime in. Yes, Fern, Dee, are oh, okay. Um, yeah, no, um, I <laughs>
2: wanted I to say that I checked out... Uh, no, no, you said front and D. <laughs> I was just trying to be polite. I, I was, was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll let D go. Um, no, I actually, real quick, I just wanted to say, I checked out your comedy, and some of it's pretty dark, and I just have to say, I absolutely love it. It's great. Oh, um, some of the things that you talk about that I just don't hear a lot of people talk about. So and joke about, mm-hmm. and it's like I was. It's funny, I was watching a video that uh, Nick had put up on the Kettle of Fish page. And mm. I was rolling, like I was laughing my ass off. I was like, I love this chick. This is some funny <laughs> shit. So uh, I just me... wanted to you just let you know that. Like I had I had, you know, checked it out. It was really cool. So Oh that's
1: thanks. awesome. Yeah. Right. Let me I ask you this and so we'll kinda of wrap it mm-hmm. up. Do you feel like there's mm-hmm. a certain formula that everybody's adhering to? I mean, I know the newest crop of comics come out and they have to be edgy and they have to be ironic. Like, do you feel the pressure Mm -hmm. to conform to that? Or do you just go on the mic and be like, dude, I'm going to do Brandy, and if people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. Or is there a kind of um, competitiveness in it where you do have to kind of be edgy and ironic to stay relevant in a comedy scene now?
0: I mean, I've always thought that if you're not authentic on stage, eventually people can smell it out on you. I mean, like, I you know, I, t- t- to me to me it's all about being authentic. Like who I am on my album, who I am in my stand up is exactly like who I am as a person. Just a little bit more amped up. And that's just you know, I mean comedy goes through phases where sometimes, you know, like there's a lot of like baby Bill Bur- baby uh, Bill Burrs, baby Bill Hicks out there, there's a lot of baby Kyle Cadains out there who just like when they first start out, they kind of like model themselves after the comic that they care about the most. Um and I mean that worked for a while. It you know, I just kind of, when you're figuring out what a joke structure is, I just, I don't know, I, I write jokes the way I, I write them. I don't really know how to write them anywhere else, much to my own detriment sometimes. It would probably be easier if I could just be like, ah, what's the deal with this? Because then I, you know, might have had a Conan by now. But <laughs> it's like, well, I don't right. know. I know use like, long, kind of ranty, conspiracy theory-laden, um, dark comedy rants, and, like, that's... The, the way that my brain writes jokes, I
1: don't know how to write them any other way. So why leave Baltimore and go to L.A.? Because it seems like Baltimore would be prime. You've got New York right there, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. I mean, D.C. You've got so many comedy hubs. Why go out west? Because you're very East Coast. I mean, I could tell even before I yeah. knew you were Baltimore, you were East Coast. Mm-hmm. So why take that over to L.A. where, there's, where it's so, I feel, um, diluted and there's so many comedians out there? Why put yourself in that situation?
0: Um, I mean, I, so I, I started doing stand up out here. I didn't start doing stand up on the East Coast. Um, oh, I, really? I, yeah, I moved out here. I, so I'm from Maryland, I went to college in Philly, and then I moved out here basically to be a comedy writer, and that's what I went to school for. I wanted to do that, and I kind of just fell in love with the stand up scene out here, and there's just a lot of really cool, like, awesome. I mean, like, I got to go see Paula Tompkins and Jimmy Pardo, and, you know, and Maria Bamford uh, for free, like, every night of the week for the first couple of years I lived here. And I just kind of, like, fell in love with, like, that smart, interesting, weird comedy because I had never really seen a place for myself in stand-up before that because I was like, eh, I don't know, it just seems like a lot of, like, bros, like, backwards baseball caps. And that's cool, but, like, I don't I don't know how well I fit into that. And then I started seeing. I don't know, I just kind of fell in love with stand-up out here. And I just, when I, I moved out here right after college, because so I was like, well, why not? Make the move, see if you like it or not. You know, I, I lived on the East Coast, East Coast my whole life. I was like, yeah, I
1: could see if you like the West Coast. I think you would. And I, I love it out here. I but you do have to be a comedy love lover, right? I mean, you can't be successful just kind of dabbling. You have to be someone who's fairly obsessed with comedy to be successful yeah. it, right? You can't just jump in oh. half measures, right?
0: No, no, no. It's it's all about just going balls to the wall, you know, and just and just throwing yourself at it completely. I mean, this is you know, I this, this is like what I what I eat, breathe, and sleep every day. You know, it's a complete full time job. It's so funny whenever you watch like documentaries about like comics from like the eighties and stuff, and you're just like I only work forty five minutes a day, <laughs> and I'm like no, you don't. Like it's it's. Just, <laughs> 24-hour job what are you talking about You're emailing people you're promoting stuff you're on the road driving you're writing new bits you're you know working on old ones you're you know you're you're networking exactly. with a comic watching comedy it's it's a full-time it's a full-time gig
1: and d got kind yeah. of distraught at me a couple of weeks ago when i was like you don't get it i am politics like you're like mm-hmm. oh you're always looking at politics and watching msnbc and writing I'm like, people dude, you didn't used to be man you used With to somebody, be real. You used to be a person. No, I'm kidding. I I would love to go to the <laughs> parties and be the guy who could still tell the dick jokes. But this country is fucking falling apart. So somebody's got to step up to the plate and put together jokes. a yeah. podcast and get out there yeah. and say something. Not that like everything is irrelevant. Comedy is is serving the public in a very real way. Um, what I'm doing, yeah. serving the public. As long as you're doing something, right on. I'm on board. Oh, definitely. Do something. Definitely. Oh, without
0: a doubt. I mean, I mean I've mean, i always thought that stand-up and comedy is a really great way to, like, make people more open to listen to a different point of view and maybe rethink something, too. Like, I've definitely had some people send me messages. They're like, oh, I'd never thought about, you know, that that way before. That's really interesting. Thank you for that. You know, so it's, you know, it's it's really... It's, yeah, it, it's it's a really great, very powerful art form when you respect it and use it correctly. And I've also, I toured the country, and, like, I found that you can say pretty much anything to anybody. Because, I mean, I'm I'm definitely pretty liberal and have, like, you know, a lot of opinions. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, as long as you are honest and not condescending, like, people that even if they 100% disagree with you, they'll, they'll hear you out as long as you don't condescend to them when you talk to them. You know, and on I've stage. really interesting conversations
1: no, on stage, on stage, not yeah. on Facebook. On trust stage. me. I've been well, very honest well <laughs> on Facebook. It didn't end well.
0: Facebook. Well, Facebook is its own nightmare.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's a great place to end. Brandy, thank yes. you so much for coming on the show. Tell everybody where we can find everything Brandy Posey related.
0: Okay, uh, so uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandazzle, B-R-A-N-D-A-Z-Z-L-E, and uh, I also have a podcast I do uh, called Lady to Lady, um, we're on the Maximum Fun Podcast Network uh, with John Hodgman and Jesse Thorne. um, and it's me and two other female comics, and we have a fourth female comic on every week, and we uh, just kind of riff and goof off, and like it's a, whole, a lot of people really love it, a lot of dudes listen to it too Um, because they're like, oh, this is what it's like Like a bunch of women are just hanging out. Cool. This is hilarious. Very uh, nice. Yeah, that's a good time. Um, And then uh, my album is Opinion Cave, and you can find it on iTunes, Amazon, Bandcamp. Uh, Yeah, buy it, please. (laughs) I would appreciate it.
1: Alrighty, thank you very much for calling in today. We will be gone next week because of Easter. We'll be back in two weeks with Ignorance Equation and Kettle of Fish. Have a great Sunday, guys. (laughs)